So today is the third Sunday of Advent. Advent is a season where we are waiting in expectation and anticipation. We're expecting to hear the reading about how Jesus came and was born in this world. And we're also expecting when he will return and time will stop as we know it. And in this season of waiting, we have that question, how should we live? But we're not the only people that have asked this question. People ask that question to John the Baptist. And so often when we think about John the Baptist, we think about his message of fire. But his purpose was to prepare the way for the Lord. And Advent is a time where we prepare our hearts and our lives for the King. So today we turn to John the Baptist as we listen to his preaching and as he tells us how we should live. If you will, open up your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. We'll begin at verse 7. We'll read a few verses, talk about them, read a few more verses, and keep going. Luke, chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. I'm reading from the NIV. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Is this good news? I mean, if you're being called a brood of vipers, does that sound good and pleasant and pleasing to you? So, you know that vipers are snakes. You know vipers are probably poisonous. You probably know that. But what you may not know is what vipers do is whatever they bite, they attach to. And they just keep injecting and pumping poison into their victim. So when John's calling these people vipers... He's saying that what they're doing is they are just injecting poison into their world. You could say that these are the people that suck the joy and the life out of us. So John's saying that vipers are those people that find something wrong with everything. Not to make it better, but they just point out the wrongs with every new idea and every attempt to build up the kingdom of God. And you know exactly what they sound like, don't you? That won't work. We've never done it that way before. You're doing it all wrong. And John invites those people, those people, to turn around and to change their lives and produce proof of that change. Now make no mistake about it. John is not saying that this is going to be easy. But what he is saying is that your life matters. And what you do is important. And then he says, don't even begin to say to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father. You know what that's about. The Jewish belief was that they were the favored nation. The Jewish belief was that God would judge the world with one standard. And the Jews with another. So they thought just because they were Jewish, 
they were safe. And there was this saying that a child of Abraham is exempt from judgment. Using this verse, Mr. Wesley said, don't trust in what you can see. And what he means by that is, don't rely on your family's faith. Faith is not something that you just inherit. Your heart, your life needs to be changed. God needs you to change your heart. And Tom Wright tells us, if people were coming for baptism, that means they were committing themselves to be God's Israel, the light of the world, the people in whom God's justice would be seen by all. So John's message is the Messiah, the true King of Israel is on his way. And he's going to bring devastating judgment. And this idea of Messiah as judge and Savior, that's an important part of Jewish expectation. Believing that the Messiah would bring God's justice to this world. And that includes naming and dealing with evil. And then usually what people think about when they think about John the Baptist is this next line where he says the axe is already at the root of the trees. I wish he would be a little more careful with this verse. Because look at this verse. John is not saying I've come to chop down the tree. He's not saying it's too late. He's saying this is avoidable. John is joining the Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets, when they had a word of judgment, you know what it was? It was a warning. It was, if you don't change, if you continue doing this wrong and this evil, God's judgment is going to fall on you, and God's wrath is going to come. But it's not too late. That was always the good news. It's not too late. You can change. You can choose life. You can choose a new path. And this new path is what John talks about in this next set of verses. Verse 10. What should we do then? The crowd asked. And John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher. They asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. And then some of the soldiers asked, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. What should we do? Now, this year as we preach through the Gospel of Luke, I want you to be aware that the crowd is important. Luke treats the crowd as if it's a character unto itself. So, these people are asking, what should we do? And John is saying, if you have enough, share what you have. Share food, share clothing. So, on the flip side, this is a warning against hoarding and consuming when others don't have enough. Tax collectors come for baptism. And they ask, what should we do? 
John literally says, collect no more than your scale allows. He's saying, don't line your pockets. Don't make your living by ripping off other people. Don't make your income by taking advantage of others. And soldiers who work for Rome, they come and they ask, what should we do? And literally in the Greek it says, bully no one. Blackmail no one. And be content with your pay. Now don't miss this. It's amazing that tax collectors and soldiers were there. And they're there to be baptized. They don't have to be. They went to John. John's not downtown in the marketplace preaching. Where's John at? The wilderness. Do you remember what happened when Moses led the people out of Egypt and into the wilderness? Do you remember what happened? That entire generation died. The wilderness is a dangerous place. It's a place that Jesus will go for self-reflection. And it's a time for transition. And that's why these people are here, to transition. What should we do? How do we need to change? And, God, and John gives them a new path, a path to salvation. And he's saying this path is not easy, it's going to be hard, and it's going to be difficult, and it's going to require God to change you. What about us? If we were asking this question, what should we do? How do we need to change? How do we need to live our lives so that we're prepared when the Lord appears? I think John would say, share. Be generous. Be fair. Care for all people. And don't steal time away from your spouse or your kids or your friends. Stop complaining so much. Be gracious. Honor your commitments. Be content. And don't ever forget that people are more important than things. And this life is about more than what you want. And so with a message like this, people had a question on their hearts. Let's read about that. Verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly and were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly, might possibly be the Messiah. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. So people are wondering, John, are you the one? Are you the one who is to come? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that we are expecting and anticipating and waiting on? And John says, no. He is on his way. He's greater than I. And I'm not even fit to stoop down 
and undo his sandals. Now, if you notice, in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all deal with this issue of Jesus being greater than John the Baptist. Have you ever thought and taken the time to wonder, why? John had a following. And the Gospel writers are saying that Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus fascinated people into following Him. And as they walked with Him, Jesus revealed the meaning of life. Life as God would have it. And Jesus gave people motivation, a why, for what they do. And He showed them the pattern of God's larger purpose for their souls. And Jesus made it plain that God's most direct relationship with us is not in relation to our sin, but with regard to our better selves. You see that Jesus, as He taught with people, He was always seeing people with a double vision, who they were and who they could be. And Jesus spoke to that higher part of ourselves. So what that means is that what is good in you, God has put there. But that's not all. That's not the end of the story. Because the love of God pursues you, chases you down, and tries to awaken that goodness inside of you. And if you let the passion of God get to you and work in you, then it can overcome all the evil and the wrong and the meanness in you. And that, that is newness of life. But that's not what people think about when they think about John the Baptist. They think about this fire, this unquenchable fire. So let's talk about that. In biblical fire, fire is an image of judgment and purification. Don't get too hung up on this burning of the shaft. What we're being told is to remove the shaft, the trash, the junk, the unimportant things from our lives and to burn it, to be purified. And this is a process. To burn away the things in our lives that are not hope and joy and peace and love. Don't get so hung up on this image of the burning of the shaft. Because the purpose is to save the grain. That's the good news. So as we look at this message of John the Baptist, we see his message is repentance is about change. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a walk the aisle, raise your hand, say a prayer, and be done with it. Repentance is a change. It's a continuing process. And it's a change that leads to working for God's justice in this world. So what that means is that because we are forgiven, we have work to do. That means as we wait for Jesus to come back, we have to work to bring God into our world through what we say and through what we do. So your challenge, should you choose to accept it, is to be the Christ in Christmas. To be the hope, to be the joy, to be the peace, to be the love that this world so desperately needs, to be the salt, to be the flavoring, and to be the light that lights the way to Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.